Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Happy Easter! Now before you go to check the date on your phone or your computer, however you're watching this or you're listening to it, it I know that it's not literally Easter, but we are in Easter tide. It's the 50 days between Easter and Pentecost, the season of Easter, where we continue to rejoice and celebrate the good news of God defeating death in Christ Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It is a, a whole season of celebration. I've been encouraging those of you who've been worshiping with us throughout the season to, to think about ways that you can be celebrating. On Easter, I, I shared that I hoped everyone went home and turned up their, however they listened to music, as loud as they wanted and listened to their favorite song so you could just dance and let go. This week, I want to encourage you to think about how you can make your favorite meal this week, or or you can order delivery of your very, very favorite food, because food really is a great way to celebrate. I mean, think back on some of the best memories you have. There's a pretty good chance that at least a few of them have to do with sitting down for a meal with other people. Now, of course, not always is it the actual food you consume. It's the maybe the conversation or the event of sharing that food, but this week, figure out what, what kind of food you love to eat and either make it uh, buy it. Do, do something to, to, to celebrate, to rejoice. You know, my son, he's about to turn five years old very, very soon. And if you ask Elijah what his favorite meal of all time is, he will tell you very quickly, it's hot dogs, mac and cheese, and believe it or not, he also says broccoli. Now, do we only give Elijah hot dogs, mac and cheese, and broccoli? No, that boy, he is a great eater. He eats all kinds of things. But if he had it his way, that would be the thing he would eat. Except when I asked him what he wanted to have for his birthday meal, if dad could cook him anything he wanted, what did he say he wanted? Wiener schnitzel. Wiener schnitzel. This delectable German dish that we make very rarely because it takes forever to make. But he knows, even his nearly five-year-old brain, he knows that, that schnitzel is just something you eat when you need to celebrate. So on his birthday, that's what I'm going to make. And this week, I hope you figure out something that you can make to eat to rejoice in this time we call Easter. I've been sharing that with uh, the rates of vaccines and the, the rates of uh, test positivity going down. We're, we're looking into what it might be like to reopen for in-person worship. We don't quite have the numbers we need yet, both in terms of the local community and, and the virus, but also in terms of volunteers. So until we get to a place where that is more possible, we're going to continue to offer online worship, but we're also going to be offering more opportunities for drive-in worship on Sunday morning as well. 
So check your email if you're part of our church or, or check our Facebook page. We're going to be announcing those dates soon where we'll have both outdoor drive-in worship and we will continue to have um, online worship as well for those of you who either live too far away or you can't join us uh, for a drive-in service. So a lot of things going on in the life of Cokesbury and we are here on the other side of Easter and we are just rejoicing in this good news that has forever changed the world. So with thoughts of food and with joy and celebration, let's just close our minds for a moment and rest in that knowledge as we prepare our hearts and minds to further worship the Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, humble us today so that we will be capable of hearing your word. We thank you for the gift of yourself in the strange new world of the Bible. We rejoice in its complexity. So give us the simplicity to be confounded by your word and changed forever. And with that, O oh Lord, each of us will now lift up to you our own joys and concerns, whether silently or aloud today. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I neglected to mention earlier in the service that there's an online bulletin that I commend to you. You can access it through one of the links in the video description. It will contain the scripture that I'm about to read, plus our hymn and any other uh, important information for worship. So if that's helpful for you, I encourage you to pull it open. We are doing a sermon series now called Life After Easter, thinking about what it means to celebrate and live a life of joyful celebration knowing that we are on this side of Easter. And so with that, we've been looking at how the disciples themselves respond to the time called life after Easter. And this week, we're looking at Luke 24, 36b through 48. So hear now God's holy word. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and they were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me. See me. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead and on the third day, 
and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today comes from the United Methodist Seminal. It's hymn number 339, Come Sinners to the Gospel Feast. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in the online bulletin. But join me now over on the drums as I play and sing. Sing with me. Come sinners to the gospel feast. Come sinners to the gospel feast. Let every soul be Jesus' guest. Ye need not one be left behind. For God hath bid all humankind. Sent by my Lord on you I call, the invitation is to all. Come all the world, come sinner thou, all things in Christ already now. Come all ye souls by sin oppressed, ye reckless wanderers after rest, ye poor and maimed and halt and blind, in Christ a hearty welcome find. My message as from God receive, ye all may come to Christ and live. Oh, let his love your hearts constrain, nor suffer him who died in vain. This is the time, no more delay, this is the Lord's accepted day. Come thou this moment at his call, and live for him who died for all. While in their joy, they were still disbelieving and still wondering. And Jesus said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The women go to the cemetery in darkness. Lo and behold, Jesus' tomb is empty, or so they think, because they have a chance encounter with a man dressed in white, and they leave afraid, so afraid, in fact, that Scripture tells us they say nothing to anyone. But then they do, otherwise we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing right now. The women, they go back to the other disciples with declarations of resurrection. He is risen. The story isn't over. This is just the beginning. Everything has been made new. And how do the disciples respond? Y'all are crazy. That's not possible. None of the disciples expected the resurrection, despite Jesus telling them on three separate occasions that it would happen, despite all the parables that hinge on death being the the prerequisite to new life, despite Jesus doing all sorts of things that ran counter to the world, what the world believed possible. And even when Jesus appears to them on the evening of Easter, making a way through locked doors to find them, they still couldn't really believe it. They're afraid. They cower in fear. All of the post-resurrection appearances, all of them, the moments we might call life after Easter, they're mixed with fear and doubt and hope and, of all things, food. 
And still the disciples, they don't know what to believe. Now, it's easy to pick on the disciples. It's even fun a little bit to call out their faithlessness because it often makes us feel better about ourselves. But we can't really blame the disciples for feeling and experiencing what they felt and experienced because all of it is rather unbelievable. Jesus forgives his crucifiers from the cross. Jesus reaches out to sinners and outcasts for no other reason than the fact that they are sinners and outcasts. Jesus, he speaks truth to power, knowing full and well what the consequences will be. Jesus invites gobs of people to join in a revolution of the heart and of the mind and of the land where the needs of others are more important than anything else. And we killed him for it. But then he came back. And not only did he come back, he came back to those who denied him, who betrayed him, who abandoned him. So the disciples, they are talking about the craziness they've heard from the women who went to the tomb. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands in the middle of them. Peace, my friends. They're terrified. They think he must be a ghost. And he says, what's wrong with all of you? Look at me. I am flesh and bone. The disciples, they come out from behind the table, from behind the chairs, to take a closer inspection. And then Jesus says, hey, while you're at it, have you all got anything to eat? Because I am starving. One of the disciples grabs a nearby piece of broiled fish, hands it to Jesus, and he scarfs it down in one bite. Years ago, a church received a rather large anonymous donation and the community of faith began debating just what they should do with this money they weren't expecting. There were suggestions of adding a new stained glass window behind the altar area. Someone mentioned that the roof was looking a little worse for wear, and it might be time to go ahead and get it replaced. The youth, they wanted new beanbag chairs for the youth room, so they argued and argued and argued until the oldest woman in the room, seen and, and regaled as a grandmother by just about everybody else, a pillar of the church, she slowly rose to her feet and she said, give me the money. I know what we should do with it. And so they did. And the very next day, she took all that money to the local homeless shelter and told them to spend all of that money on feeding the hungry. Now, the following Sunday, she stood among her church family and she told them what she did. Now, at first, there was some disgruntled shuffling among the pews. There were a few murmured slights under people's breaths. And then finally, a man shouted, how could you do that? We could have used that money and you gave it away to other people. You don't even know if they believe in Jesus. To which the woman calmly replied, maybe they don't believe in Jesus, but I do. I do. Robert Farrar Capon said that food is the daily sacrament of unnecessary goodness. Food, it's ordained for a continual remembrance that the world will always be more delicious than it is useful. You know, in the gospel stories, Jesus is forever sharing meals with other people. And on a few very notable occasions, he makes more wine and more food available for others just to keep the, the celebration going. And it was Jesus' table fellowship that most confounded his critics. Whether it was a lunchtime sandwich over at Zacchaeus' house or, or sharing food with crowds undeserving, Jesus' willingness to eat and share food with others, it was a foretaste of both what we're experiencing now and what we will enjoy at the Supper of the Lamb. 
I mean, maybe that's why we Methodists are so good at hosting meals. We always make more food than anyone can eat, and we always send people home with food to last for days. Why do we share food? Why do we give ourselves over to, to music that moves us? Why do we spend our time painting and reading and daydreaming? We, we do all those things because they're fun. But it's also about more than that, too. Because half of all the remarkable things we do in this life, life the, the simple delights of rejoicing in the wonder of creation, they are hidden in the world that longs to come to fruition. Or to put it another way, for all the loveliness this world has to offer, it's all temporary and it's all finite. Food is consumed, bottles sit empty, the record spins at the end without a needle in the groove, on and on and on. We, to use the language of scripture, we're strangers in a strange land. We live in a time of impermanence. Nothing lasts forever. But God God has given us good appetites, not to consume what the world has to offer and then toss it away. God has given us good appetites to taste the goodness and hunger to make it even better. That's exactly why we, we share recipes with friends and family. It's why we give away books that we love. It's why we talk forever and ever about movies and TV shows and YouTube videos, because we delight in delighting others. It's kind of like unnecessary goodness that we want to share. And whenever we love the things we've been given, whether it's broiled fish or a hardback book or a vinyl album or a perfectly knit sweater or tomatoes from the garden, it doesn't matter what it is. Whenever we love those things for what they are, we catch glimpses and tastes and feelings of what is yet to come. Because the breads and the pastries, the cheeses and the wines, the singing and the dancing, they will all go into the supper of the Lamb because we do. Jesus, on the other side of resurrection, he appears to his friends and promptly ingests a fish stick. Now, we could easily brush this aside as a random detail included by Luke, but it's not random. It's a signpost of the delight of resurrection. It's an ever-ringing reminder of the goodness that God has given to us right now and will continue to give us forever and ever. But even if the, if the reference to seafood on Easter isn't enough, Jesus is forever comparing the kingdom of heaven to a whole lot of things, but most of them have to do with food. Mustard seeds, grains of wheat, fig, fig trees, leavened bread. On his final night, he hands over bread and wine and tells his disciples it's his body and his blood. Resurrection, believe it or not, is inextricably tied up with our food and our love of food. It's quite literally by the death of corn and cabbage and collards that we have lived until today. Think just of bread. It is the great sacrament of life made only possible by death. Unless a seed dies, there's no wheat. Without wheat being ground and pulverized, there's no flour. Unless carbohydrates are destroyed by yeast, there's no rising. Without the murder of yeast by fire and heat, there is no bread. And without the consumption of bread by the likes of you and me, well, friends, there is no you and me. Out of death, life. Resurrection. The God we worship is the God of transportation and transformation. God is forever delivering people from one place to another, and God is forever working in the world to help guide us from who we are to who we can be. 
there are a lot of things in life that God is tied up with that do that. I mean, there are meals and movies and musicals, all kinds of things that change us after we consume them. We can't be who we were after having experienced them, and they can do those things because we live in the time called life after Easter. You know, despite the protests of fearful and cynical individuals who decry that we are who we are and that things are doomed to stay the same and it doesn't do any good to do any good because nothing ever changes, that's not the proclamation of the gospel. That's true. We are indeed sinful people. We do terrible things, and terrible things are done to us. Just this week, saw yet another innocent black man die at the hands of the police, and people all across the country are tribalizing themselves yet again, putting up walls of division rather than avenues of connection. We're a people sick and tired. Whether we're sick and tired in our boring and monotonous lives, or we're sick and tired of all the horrendous things that keep happening no matter how hard we believe other people need to change. But life after Easter, it makes all sorts of things possible that would otherwise be impossible. We really have been freed from the terrible tyranny of sin and death. They no longer have control over us and what we do, even though we keep insisting on them being the most important things in the world. It's why we retreat to the comfort of our own domains while rejoicing and calling out the specks in other people's eyes. It's why we implore that people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, even if they don't have boots to begin with. It's why we keep viewing people through the lens of sin rather than the lens of grace. But here's the good news, the the really good news of life after Easter. If God can raise a crucified Jesus from the grave, then never again can we be so sure of what is and isn't possible. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, just imagine what he can do with you and me and everyone else. Jesus was dead and forsaken in a tomb, but God refused to leave him there. In the time called life after Easter, we don't believe in dejection, We don't believe in rejection. We believe in resurrection. In the time called life after Easter, we aren't defined by what we've failed to do. We are defined by what Jesus has done. In the time called life after Easter, we can't stay shackled to the way things were or even the way things are. God has set us free for the way things can be. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread and the sharing of a meal, open the eyes of our faith, that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, the one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God has gathered us together, God has proclaimed God's word, and we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our thoughts, our prayers, but also with our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may do so by um, giving online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, we have a drop slot by our main office doors, and, and you can bring your offering that way. But give. 
give that we might continue to be a church that proclaims the truly good news of what life after Easter means, looks like, tastes like, smells like, and feels like. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So I encourage you to join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death, of resurrection, the God of Easter, help you to taste all these wonderful things in your life. Taste and see that they are good, for they are foretastes of the supper of the Lamb that goes on and on forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, to learn more of what it looks like to live in the time called life after Easter. Go in peace, be well. Amen, amen, and amen.